0: You are listening to episode number 37 of the Body You Crave podcast, the one where we talk about this tug of war between internal versus external results and how to truly win. I'm master at life and weight loss coach, Jillian Lama, and you're listening to the Body You Crave podcast, where you'll learn how to end emotional eating, lose excess weight, and feel amazing in your body no cheating required. Keep listening and I'll show you how. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode. So, today, being that we are in the month of February and today is actually Valentine's Day when I'm recording this, it's a great time to talk about self-love again. And I want to talk about this concept of self-love is great but weight loss is better because that is what I thought for a very long time. I thought once I lose the weight, then I'll love myself more. Then I'll talk to myself nicer. Then I will do these things and I will have these thoughts about myself. I'll have the self-love piece, but only after I lose the weight. And so I was caught in this, yeah, yeah, that's great, but actually I just want to lose the weight. Like really, if we could just do that. And what I want to share and emphasize today is that self-love is part of the process. It's how we are able to lose our weight and keep it off. And that often what happens when we aren't able to keep the weight off is there's an aspect or component to self-love that is missing. And so I want to talk about that again. So episode number 24 is about how self-love is more than just bubble baths, where I talk a little bit more in depth about it. And I want to talk about it from this perspective of internal versus external results that we're creating in life. This is going to get woven into a lot of podcasts, but it's also going to be the core focus of a few because the relationship you have with yourself is the second most important relationship you have in your entire life. Being second only to what I believe is your relationship with God. Your relationship with God and that higher power is the number one most important relationship. And when I think about things in my life and things about things in my clients' life, that's what it is. It goes, God. And then it goes, how am I thinking about me? And it's not that I'm fully obsessed or consumed with myself. It doesn't mean that we have to be narcissistic or cocky or arrogant. It means that I am focused on changing the way that I think and talk to myself. Because a lot of times we are else to ourselves. We do not talk nicely. And so really looking at how do I change this, that's how I can start to show up as a better me in every other area of life, in my career, in my marriage, with my kids, as a parent. And so self-love starts with thoughts about yourself. That's the foundation. Self-love is your thoughts about you. And by working on our self-love and changing that, the place we start is with our thoughts about ourselves. That's it. So when you make a mistake, when you don't create the results that you want, when you only get one thing done for the day instead of 12 that were on your to-do list, when you're running late, when you have a fight with your spouse, this is where it's important that we think about how do we truly think about ourselves. And this is often the type of thing that we are going to be eating over and emotionally eating over when we're not truly honest about the thoughts about our life. Thoughts like, Maybe I should be doing more with my life or I'm in a job that I really hate or they're not using my skills. I'm not living up to my full potential. I'm in a relationship where I feel trapped or maybe the other person feels very overbearing or I feel like I've lost myself. I don't know who I am anymore. That's really what we want to tune into because that subtle undercurrent of not feeling good enough, thin enough, pretty enough, smart enough, all those things are just going to fly under the radar. And that at the end of the night is what we're going to be eating and drinking over. And so we want to start to change the way that we think about our life and change the way that we think about all these different areas and ultimately about ourselves. Your relationship with yourself is what allows you to create relationships with other people. I get to be the best version of me, and when I show up as a better version of me, I'm a better mom. I'm a better wife. I'm a better sister. I'm a better daughter. I show up as a better version of me. And so whether it's with colleagues, with extended family, with friends, with family, you can be a better you. But the first place you want to start, rather than trying to fix other people, you want to look at, can you fix yourself first? How do we take responsibility for that relationship? How do I start to show up and look at, How do I want to be and how do I want to respond and how can I manage my own thoughts and emotions? And so we can't expect other people to do for us what we are not willing to do for ourselves. And this was something that I noticed early on was that I was expecting Zach to compliment me and I wasn't complimenting me. And it was like I expected him not just to compliment me, but to out compliment all my negative shitty thoughts about myself, too. (laughs) I could nitpick and be critical and judge, but... He needed to compliment me. He needed to say how beautiful and affectionate and gorgeous I was. That was his responsibility. And I just had that backwards because I needed to be showing up. I needed to be the one doing that work. And when I'm doing that work, I don't need him to do it for me. I'm not looking for him to fill this void or to fill this need because I'm learning how to think that about myself. I'm learning how to change that conversation. But I can't expect him to do something that I'm not willing to do for me. Buying flowers is another great example. I can tell you how many women sit around waiting for their husbands to buy them flowers. Buy your own damn flowers. It is not that hard. I actually love buying my own flowers. I get to pick out what kind I want, what colors I want, what I like, how we want the mood and the atmosphere and everything. I love buying my own flowers. And I haven't bought them as much recently. Actually, since having Caleb, I would say I've fallen out of that habit. I don't know why exactly. That's a really good thing to think about. But <laughs> back in 2020, And even 2019, I bought flowers for myself every week, sometimes every other week, because sometimes they might last a little bit longer. But it's like whenever they were dead and wilted, all right, time to get some new ones. And there was no problem with that. I don't have an issue. And when Zach buys me flowers, it's a bonus. It's Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. But I'm not waiting on him. It's not a requirement. And so one of the pieces here is learning how to love yourself unconditionally. So you don't have to earn your positive self-talk. You don't have to earn your self-love. And that's going to feel very uncomfortable for a lot of you. It was very uncomfortable for me, especially at the beginning, because I was so used to I earn love through accomplishments or I have to do these things and I have to do enough. It wasn't enough just to do one or two things like I have to do it all. I have to have all the pieces. Everything has to come together. I have to be making the money and have the title and have the house and I have to have the body, all these things, and then I can love myself. But really, I've got that all wrong. I've got it all messed up. How do I start to love myself unconditionally? How do I learn how to have my own back when I make a mistake? How do I praise myself for the action, for the attempt, even when I make mistakes or I get things wrong? How do I have that compassion and understanding and learn from it, learn from our mistakes, learn from our failure? And the only way we can do that is with self-love. And this is how we learn how to love others unconditionally. This is how we love kids unconditionally. And I felt a little convicted because uh, last week at Bible study, we were talking about how to love your spouse unconditionally. And I could tell I was, ooh, really? Like I have to love my husband unconditionally? You mean he doesn't have to earn it by doing the dishes? He doesn't have to earn it by giving me compliments? He doesn't have to earn my love with gifts? Oh, now there's a thought. And That brought up some other concerns of what if he's a jerk? What if he's mean or he's rude or he's disrespectful? Or what if he crosses boundaries? Or what if he doesn't treat you well? Or my brain wants to go to all these things. Not that's how Zach is operating, but it's just that defense mechanism coming up. And so it's okay. How do we learn to love others unconditionally? We have to love ourselves unconditionally. And we learn how to love unconditionally because of how God loves us. And so Who am I now to place conditions and requirements on what my love should look like for other people? God can love me unconditionally, but I can't love me unconditionally. I have a very misunderstood view of God if that's what I am thinking. When we really stop to think about this creator of the universe, this all-knowing, all-powerful being, if he can love me unconditionally and forgive me, But I can't forgive me. Am I saying that I'm better than God now? These are just some things to think about. These are some things that have come up for me over the years. Oh, maybe I do need to work on that. And that feels hard because I've just been trained and conditioned. I have to earn love. I have to earn approval. It's my accomplishments. It's how much I'm doing. And even last year, noticing how I was looking at how much I was getting done, how my productivity was Allowing me to have a good day, or I could love myself because I got eight things done off my to-do list. I may not have gotten all twelve, but I got eight of them done. That's amazing. And on days where I only got one or two, it was a sucky day. Well, this one's been a very good day, and that was a lot of times how I was looking at it. it. Was like I didn't do enough. And ultimately, what was going on here is it's just that kind of internal tug of war of I am enough, just the way that I am, and I don't have to keep striving and trying to earn love. My love for myself doesn't need to be earned. It's not a tally of what I do, just like it's not for my husband either. This is part of the sanctification process that God has me on, (laughs) that I am going through, which means it's not fully going to be implemented. It will never fully happen until I am in heaven. Then I will be perfect. Like, in heaven. But until then, I'm going to be constantly renewing this and creating this process and looking at how do I love myself more? How do I love other people more and love more unconditionally? Now, I want to say, too, that we do want to set healthy boundaries with people that we love, and we're going to set and enforce them out of love. Because we live with other sinful human beings, which means that they will make mistakes. They are going to have their own issues, their own challenges. So we can ask for people to speak to us differently, to do or not do certain things. But I don't need anybody else to change in order for me to feel better. So feeling better is my job. That's me. I want to feel differently. That's on me with my thoughts. That is not somebody else's responsibility. So I just want to be clear here. We can learn how to love ourselves and learn how to love other people without making it conditional. And we can also set and enforce in a loving way our boundaries around how people talk to us, what language they use or don't use, how you want to process and manage conflict, things like that. That's 100% normal. So I just want to like weave that in because there's that part of me that's what we still want to have good boundaries. We still want to make sure that we are treating ourselves with love and respect, which means that other people also treat me with love and respect. And when somebody is not doing that, I am going to have that hard conversation and we're going to talk about it. Part of self-love is having those hard conversations. It's having my own back and standing up for myself and saying, hey, this was out of line. This is not acceptable. I don't want this going forward. And if that's not something that you can handle, then this may not be a relationship that we can both stay in. But we can do that in a loving way where it's out of love and respect for yourself that you don't get to scream at me or you don't get to cuss at me. So those are some boundaries for me that I have decided that's how I want to show up. I don't want to be doing that to other people, and I don't want other people showing up doing that to me. So let's talk about this kind of tug of war that often happens between the internal versus the external result. Because weight loss is more of that external result. <laughs> and. Self-love is the internal result, And so what happens is as we're on a journey, we are often creating both. We're creating internal and external results. And they typically go hand in hand, things that we work on at the same time. And a lot of times, though, we get very focused and caught up on the external result. That's what I think I want because I think that once I have it, then I will feel the way that I want to feel about myself. Then I will think the way that I want to think about myself. That's often what happens. It's like the internal results are nice. That's great. Confidence is great, but I really just want that new job. Self-love is great, but I really just want the body. What I know as a coach is that what we're really looking for is just to feel a certain way. So anytime we seek change, we're really just looking to feel differently about our lives, to feel better about your job, your career, your body, your spouse, your kids. So we think that the result is what's going to create this feeling and we just have it backwards. The result isn't what creates the feeling. It's your thought that creates the feeling. And so a lot of times what happens is we just mix things up. We think once I have this result, then I get to think the way I want to think. Then I get to feel the way I want to feel. It's the have do be. I have to have the weight loss before I can be confident or before I can be pretty or before I can be proud. So before I can be the person that I want to be, I have to have the weight loss first. That's how we often mix it up. But in reality, I have to be, then I can do, and then I will have. So I have to be the person who is proud and who is confident and who is strong and who is loving and loves herself. And then I will show up and I will take the action that's going to create the results that I want. So it's not that self-love is out there on the other side of weight loss. Self-love has to happen right now. But we're going to work on both at the same time. Self-love is woven into the whole process of how we lose our weight and we keep it off. We maintain that weight loss and we maintain that relationship with food and body and the scale and ourselves. And that's how this whole think-feel-act cycle works. So it's our thoughts that create our feelings that drive our action. And then because of those compounding actions, now we create results that we want. So if you think about it on this continuum, results come after the feeling. We have to think and feel the way we want to feel first. The feeling comes from your thought about your circumstance. So when you look at the scale, when you see your reflection in the mirror, when you think about the food that you ate yesterday, when you look at how your clothes fit today, those are circumstances and you have thoughts about them. Those thoughts are what creates your feeling. So it's 100% normal to use your result to create your feeling. That's how we've been conditioned to think. We have 60,000 thoughts. Every single day, most of them are subconscious and they come in so quickly, and we're so used to them that we often don't even realize it. So, we're all just running around with half managed minds. We all just have a bunch of thoughts and a bunch of fears, a bunch of worries, a bunch of things going on in our head that we aren't even fully aware of, all going on at the same time. We really want to focus on taking every thought captive, of being extremely intentional and mindful about how we are talking to ourselves and about this whole process. So my thoughts are always my choice, right? It's my choice to sit around and stew and bitterness and anger, just like it's my choice to think something new. Nobody else impacts how I think and feel. Everybody else, what they think, what they say, what they don't do, all of that is just a circumstance in my own life. I am 100% in control of my thoughts and my emotions. That is mine to own. And what, I'm going to have to work a little bit harder around certain people. There are some people in in my life that are very negative, very pessimistic, kind of snarky and mean. And I have to work extra hard when I'm around them to maintain my own thoughts and my own emotions, to not let that rub off on me but I am still in control. That's still on me to do. That is my work. That is not their responsibility. They don't need to change for me to feel better. One of the problems that we often run into is thinking that we have to earn our positive self-talk or that we have to earn our praise. And we often set the bar so high. I don't get to praise myself for just completing one item on my task list. Don't you I have 37 other things to do today? No, I need to complete at least three-fourths of them, at least half of them. We set the bar outrageously high. And I used to do this in business too. And and even last year when Caleb was small, I still didn't have a lot of bandwidth to be able to work. And so here I am trying to cram and fit everything into my day and try to find as many blocks of time as humanly possible without realizing that, no, I probably have two hours a day. I have two hours when he's napping. I have two hours with the babysitter some days and I have one to two hours in the evening when my husband gets home. There are certain hours that I can block off and I have to learn how to be okay with that. That is enough. But trying to cram too much into those two hours, I have to be realistic about what can I actually get done. And sometimes in that two-hour block, I can get done two things. Sometimes it might be three, but I really want to be intentional about how much time do I have today, what can I actually get done? And then I praise myself for it. I don't keep looking at all the other things that I have to do or all the things that I didn't get done. That doesn't do me any good. We want to focus on praising our action, no matter how small or mundane it is. We praise the attempt right? We praise ourselves for being willing to assess, for willing to figure out where we went wrong, for where we made the mistake, for how we want to do things differently. This is self-love, learning how to have your own back, learning how to stop beating yourself up after a mistake. And so the better you talk to yourself, the easier it is to now hold the boundaries and hold space for how other people get to speak to you. As we talk about boundaries and setting those and enforcing them with love, the better we are at talking to ourselves in a better way, The easier it is, the more natural it is that we hold everybody else to that same standard. Here's the standard that I allow myself to talk to me, and everybody else falls into that same standard. If you're always looking for your external results, i.e., your weight loss, to create your internal feeling like self love, pride, joy, or confidence, you will always be at the mercy of that result. And that's the biggest issue here when we try to focus on weight loss and think that self love will come after. When we do that, when we are constantly looking for the external result of weight loss to make us feel love, joy, pride, confidence, we are always now at the mercy of that result, which is why you're so terrified of regaining the weight after you lose it. You think that the result is what creates the feeling and the thoughts. So to lose that result, you lose those loving thoughts and the feelings you currently enjoy. And now it's back to shame, self-loathing, criticism, deprivation, restriction. We go back into... What we know. And this is also why, when you lose the weight, you still hold on to that shame, guilt, restriction because you don't want to regain the weight. And that's the only way you know how to stay there because that's how you got there. How you get there is how you'll be there, it's how you'll stay there. And most of us don't understand that. We think that how we get there is different than how we're going to stay there. So it's I just have to do the diet till I lose my weight and then I can go back to eating whatever I want or then I go back into maintenance. But we don't ever learn how to maintain. We don't ever fully understand and implement that maintenance mode. We don't understand our thoughts driving us to eat, especially when we're not hungry. There are some very big missing puzzle pieces here. Like a lot of people, a lot of diets have really good intentions, but the implementation of it and how we actually live it out is often flawed. It's not your fault. It's just we don't have the full picture. But this is why self-love is so important. Because most of us only know how to shame and hate ourselves skinny. So what good is having the body you want if you hate your life, if you hate what you have to do in order to create it? because spoiler alert, that's what you got to do to keep it. And this is why the weight loss doesn't stay off is that you never learned how to change your thoughts about yourself, about food, about exercise, the scale, your body, your life. This is why the weight is still playing this yo-yo roller coaster game of being up and down and up and down because we never change how we think about ourselves and how we talk and think about ourselves is tied so directly to our weight that the moment the result goes, the shame and restriction and guilt comes right back. We only know how to hate ourselves then. We have a hard time loving our bodies at a larger size or weight because there's fear that loving my body will now make me complacent and I won't have the desire to change. That's often the logic here is that, well, if I love myself now at this larger body when I still wanna lose 50 pounds, if I love myself now, I'm not actually going to take the action needed to lose the weight. There's a big flaw here, right? The problem with this logic is that now you have to hate and punish yourself into the body or the weight that you desire. Because I can't love myself now. I can only love myself later. I can't love myself at 200 pounds. I can only love myself at 150. So on your way to 150, if you can't love yourself, what are you doing? You don't have many other options. If you can't praise and love yourself, you have to hate yourself then. You have to punish yourself then. And we do that with the restriction, with taking away food, with making ourselves bad, with the way that we think and talk to ourselves. Again, there's that condition. I can't love myself until blank, until I lose the weight, until I'm this certain size. And we can make self-love be dependent on a lot of things. I'm just using our body and health for this example right here. But we think we have to earn the praise from our results instead of the action, the attempts, the improvements, the progress, what we're learning from this all. And there's also this other anti-diet camp that suggests that wanting to change your body is all about body hatred and body shame. You can't love your body and want to change it at the same time. You can't love your body and pursue weight loss. Those two they see as being in direct conflict with one another. But what if both were possible? What if you could have the self-love and the weight loss together at the same time? What if they weren't mutually exclusive? What if self-love was the key and the precursor to losing your weight and keeping it off for life? What if the lack of self-love was actually the reason you've gained the weight back in the past? It was because you never learned how to talk to yourself any differently. And so the key here is how you're thinking about the weight loss process. How you're losing the weight. Is it done from a place of restriction and punishment or is it done from a place of self-love? Because we really want to look at that intention behind it. How are you talking to yourself as you're losing the weight? Because learning how to stop overeating, how to stop emotionally eating, stop stress eating, is one of the best ways to love yourself. It's the best gift you can give yourself. Learning how to stop overfeeding, that's huge. Because overfeeding your body is not loving. Punishing yourself for the number on the scale by taking away food isn't loving. Never learning how to change the way you think about yourself or making yourself love conditional of a smaller body isn't loving. These are the things that we want to really focus on. Creating the body you crave is amazing, right? Let's go out there. We're going to accomplish this by increasing your self-love and compassion and self-forgiveness. Changing the way that you think and talk to yourself regardless of whether the scale goes up or down or how your pants fit that day or what your toddler says about your belly. And I want to bring another aspect into play here. There's this whole thought process around what you're looking for, you will find. Like what you focus on expands. And so the question here is, what are you looking for? Because your brain is always going to be trying to prove you right. So are you looking for all the ways you've messed up? You aren't good enough. You won't figure this out. You'll never be happy. Is it full of pessimism and the glass is half empty? Because your brain is going to find evidence for it. Your brain will try to prove you right. It's going to be looking for all the ways in which you are right. So are you looking at all of the negative? Are you looking for what you can love about yourself and about your body today? Are you actively seeking that out? Or are you letting your habit brain and your unintentional thoughts run amok? great example of this was was at the pediatrician's office last week with Caleb, and she was going over some of the benchmarks. And one of them that I wasn't sure, it was like, can he say five to 10 words? And I was like, "Uh, maybe. I'm not sure. I don't think so. I think he can maybe say five, but I don't think there's that many. She was like, okay, great. So what we want to do is get to like five to 10 words in the next, over the next month, if you could get him there. And then by his 18-month checkup, we're going to want to see him at 10 to 20 words. And then she was giving me some more benchmarks for, here's what we're going to be looking for in terms of development in the coming months. And so I went home and I was talking to Zach about it. And I was like, yeah, she knows mama, dada. He says Tata for grandpa and a couple other words. And I was like, uh, yeah, I think we could get to five, but I don't think he really knows more than that. And as I started thinking about it, the more I was like, oh, he knows tree and cheese, and dog, and ball, and gave up with 15 other words. He actually knows strawberry. Like this, this gets pretty smart. So he actually knows 15 words with another five words that we'll say and he'll often mimic and repeat back to us. But I wasn't really looking for it. And so I didn't think it was there. And when I started looking for it, I found evidence to how that was actually true, how he was meeting that and went above and beyond meeting that just five to 10 words. He was well over it. This is the way that our self-love can work sometimes is that we have to be focused on what can I love about myself today? What can I love about my body today? What am I going to look for and look at? Because I can focus on and nitpick all the things that aren't right about me or I can focus on all the things that are right about me. So what actions are you taking that are loving? Because we want to look at how am I going to think differently? But I also want to look at how am I going to show up and act? What does love look like in action form? Because I think a lot of us wait for love to be like this feeling. A lot of times we think about being in love and this like romantic feeling. And love is often though an action. It's a choice, number one, and then it's an action. And that's how we see it is how it comes out. And love can be a variety of different things. So I think how we talk to ourselves is a huge one. But then it's okay, what else are you doing? So for me, self love is eating nourishing foods. I talk a lot about eating pizza and burgers and fries and cupcakes and brownies and cookies and ice cream. And I talk about all the the things that I enjoy eating, but I also eat a lot of vegetables and a lot of protein, a lot of chicken, a lot of salmon. I do a lot of salads. I do a lot of stir fries. I eat nourishing foods. I still have like other foods that we often would consider unhealthy that I still love and I enjoy regularly, but I'm also eating on a regular basis to fuel and nourish my body. I move my body, and that for me is self-love, going for a walk, doing body pump, lifting, going for a hike, getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, saying no to food when I'm not truly hungry, or saying no to eating beyond the point of being satisfied. And being able to assess without shame, judgment, and more restriction. When you give into a craving or you overeat or you emotionally eat, do you have a process where you can assess it from a place of curiosity and compassion? Because this is often a missing piece. One is the assessment piece. is like we're not very good at assessing. And number two, we're really not good at assessing from curiosity and compassion. It usually is from shame, judgment, and then we go straight into restriction mode. This is how we create sustainable habit change is by working on how we are thinking about ourselves and even from the aspect of when we don't get it right when we overeat, when we emotionally eat, because it will still happen from time to time. And that's okay. It's not a problem. It doesn't have to be this big issue. I've taken my emotional eating from once or twice a day to once a month, massive improvements, but it still happens from time to time. It still comes up occasionally. A lot of times though, it's not, oh, I'm so full. I feel like I'm going to puke. It's, oh, I had an extra two or three bites that I probably didn't need. What was I thinking in the moment that was getting me to keep eating? And I can do this much more quickly. So I have worksheets for clients who are doing this for the very first time to go through and guide them through this entire process. That way they feel good about it. But you'll get to the point where it becomes more second nature, where there's just a few key things that you'll think about and you'll be like, oh, that's what it was. Ah, yeah, I was telling myself it wasn't going to taste as good tomorrow. That's why I kept eating it or that's why I started eating it. And really, I probably could have just boxed it up and taken it to go. Or you'll have this better idea of, oh, yeah, this is what's happening and what's going on. Because there's no shame and judgment, and this is the beauty of working with a life coach. This is the beauty of having somebody like me as your coach. Is that I'll help you create the life that you crave. In addition to the body, we're gonna do both. We're gonna increase your self-love, and I'm gonna help you lose weight. I'm gonna help you create the body and the life that you crave. And I'll help you think and feel the way that you want to right now, without being at the mercy of your results. So you'll get to feel proud and happy and content and at peace with yourself and with your body. You'll feel at ease around food. You'll have the freedom to say yes and no as you desire. I'm never going to tell you what you can and can't eat. You're going to feel confident in how you look and feel in your body. You're going to feel confidence to speak up in a relationship, to share your ideas, to apply for a job you've always wanted, to put your artwork out into the world, to ask that guy out on a date, to initiate a hard conversation, to set a boundary, to lovingly enforce it, to feel any emotion and not need to eat over it. We can have confidence to do all of these things. Confidence in who you are and your ability to handle any situation that comes your way. You get to feel this way now as you're in the process of losing weight. It's not on the other side of weight loss. But what you'll also find is that as you're doing this work and as you're on this process, you're going to stop obsessing about the scale and all the things you can't or shouldn't be eating. You'll stop restricting food. And so it eliminates the need for willpower. You'll stop overeating and emotionally eating. So we stop reaching for food when we're not truly hungry. We stop reaching for food to try to solve our emotions. We stop the shame and judgment and criticism. And you will have fewer cravings and food urges. You'll decrease and eliminate the stress in your life. You'll start to praise yourself more. You'll move your body more in a way that you actually love and enjoy. You'll be sleeping and prioritizing hydration and getting enough water in each day. And you'll learn how to talk nicer to yourself especially when you make a mistake instead of beating yourself up. This is how we lose the weight and are able to keep it off for life because these new habits become a part of who you are. You now have created that life that you don't need an escape from every night. This is why having a coach is so valuable. It's so important because we need that external perspective. And that's what I help my clients do is to figure out everything going on in your brain that's keeping you from taking that consistent action, from focusing on one small thing at a time, from what's really keeping you overeating and emotionally eating, really looking at where are you turning to food to create that sense of relief or relaxation. I'll help you find all the things that are holding you back and keeping you stuck. because. In our own brains, that's what feels so normal and natural and automatic. We're just running on autopilot, and we need somebody on the outside to help show us where that break is. When you're ready to create the life and the body you crave, I would love to chat. You can schedule your free consult at wwwbodyucravecom forward slash schedule. You'll find my calendar, find a day and time that works well for you. And we're gonna spend an hour together really just going over those things and figuring out where you are now, where you wanna be in six months. And let's start to look at everything that's getting in your way, that's creating that obstacle and keeping you stuck. And I promise it's much easier to do than you think. I guarantee it's a simple process that I take all of my clients through. All right. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Happy Valentine's Day. And I will see you all next week. Here's to creating the life and body you crave.